proclaiming the good news of the Messiah isn't a Christian idea. It's a Jewish idea. And Jewish believers in Jesus are saying, we didn't convert to any other religion. We were born as Jews, we'll die as Jews, but we believe that the Besorah the prophets saw is fulfilled in one Jesus. And if he came first for the lost sheep of the house of Israel, and he's really the Messiah, then the best gift and best blessing you or I can give to another Jewish person is that good news of salvation, redemption to a God who loves us. Welcome to A Jew and a Gentile Discuss. I'm your co-host, Carly Berna. And I'm Ezra Benjamin. We're a Jew and a Gentile who both believe in Jesus and believe that there's value in looking at history as well as today's world and the headlines through both a Jewish and a Christian lens. Today we're going to talk about what it really means to bless Israel. Before we do that, we want to let you know about an opportunity to support Jewish communities you may never have heard of living in some of the most remote parts of the world that have immediate physical needs that you can actually help relieve. There's details on our website, ajewandagentiledisgust.org. And as a thank you for getting involved, we want to send you some coffee from Ethiopia, which is one of the countries where we have actually served these Jewish communities for over 20 years. So again, all the details on our website and stay tuned to the end of this podcast for a chance to get that coffee for free. So Ezra, let's discuss. Looking forward to discussing it, Carly. It's really near and dear to my heart. But before I open my mouth and what I think it means to bless Israel and the Jewish people, I want to hear from your perspective. Growing up as a Christian, what did this mean to you when you were a kid, when you were a teenager, when it first showed up on your radar? What did blessing Israel even mean? Yeah. And I, before I answer that, I just want to say this is this is my upbringing and my Christian experience. Lots of other Christians might have a different experience depending on what church they were raised in or who their parents were and what they understood about Israel. But growing up, I would say Israel was not on my radar at all. I don't even think I even knew anything about Israel. As I became a believer and read the Bible more often, to me, Israel was kind of just like another country in the Bible. It was a, it was a location where things occurred, but I didn't really have the understanding of blessing Israel. And then when I started at Jewish Voice many years ago, obviously Israel became even more important. And I knew as a Christian, okay, Israel is important to God. We should stand with Israel. It's a very uh, common Christian phrase, you know, I stand with Israel. And the way to do that is often giving, uh, whether it's to Israel or an organization that supports Israel. That was kind of the evolution of my understanding of Israel. But it wasn't until, you know, especially the past eight years of working at Jewish Voice to understand, one, that Israel is more than just a country. And two, that Israel includes people that are living all over the world, Jewish people. Sure. And before we kind of unpack the two things you just said there, because they're both important, would you say, Carly, in the Christian world, like you said, bless Israel, people are going to kind of go, yeah, I'm familiar with that. You know, I've seen the bumper sticker on the car that also said, you know, vote for whatever Republican candidate is, you know, up for election that year. I'm, I'm smiling as I say that standing with Israel is not exclusive to the American conservative party. But anyway, we digress. So, but, but is it, is it in the Christian world? Is it an obligation? Is it like felt responsibility? Is it a theological concept? Where do you where do you couch blessing Israel in the Christian world, in the American Christian world? Yeah, I think it feels more 
like an obligation. I think it is a theological concept, though. But the feeling is more like this, you know, this is part of uh, what we do as being a Christian. We bless Israel. Once I think you really understand why it feels like an obligation, that's where I think the theological concept and the understanding of the Bible and the importance of Israel and the importance of Israel to God becomes more important and clear. Sure. And I think part of, uh, you know, I'm going to make kind of a bold statement here. Because there's such a felt obligation in the Christian community to bless Israel, quote unquote, without really an understanding of what that means, it is sort of open season for any number of personalities or people with a lot of charisma or influence in the church or from uh, from the Jewish community who want to kind of have inroads into having influence in the church or gleaning resources from it to define blessing Israel as they want to define it. And I think on the one hand, you know, life is open to interpretation in that regard and blessing Israel can be multifaceted. It has many meanings depending on your worldview, depending on whether you come from a Jewish or Christian background, that may mean different things. But part of why we're recording this episode, Carly, is because we want to have an opportunity to say, here's what we see in the scriptures, blessing Israel really means. Where does the concept come from? Is it just kind of a guilt I should do, or is it actually a biblical obligation for Christians? And if it's an obligation, then we better understand what is the Christian community obligated or compelled or exhorted according to the scriptures to actually do as it relates to blessing Israel and the Jewish people. So that's what we want to kind of dive into and unravel today. Yeah. And I think we can do that pretty clearly. That's our goal is really to bring clarity to what it means to bless Israel from a a scriptural perspective, like Ezra just said. Um, So we have Ezra, you've explained this before in a way that's just three main points. Most people can't remember more than three anyways, so three should be good. So as we walk through those, just thinking about, you know, what is the most important facet of blessing Israel? Yeah, I think the most important thing, and this is going to be, I'll say, here's the disclaimer, this is going to be politically incorrect. And if if we have audience members, which I know we do, from a Jewish background who don't identify with faith in Jesus as the Messiah, they may be really put off by what I'm about to say. But blessing Israel has to, in my opinion, if you're really talking about holistically, biblically, scripturally, what does it really mean to bless Israel? You can't separate that from sharing the Messiah, who, Carla, you and I understand is Yeshua, we say in Hebrew, or Jesus in English. And that was a big statement. Wait a minute. I thought the Jews have their own path to God. I thought Judaism is a separate religion. Why are you mixing Christianity and Judaism? I'm not. What I mean by you can't bless Israel without blessing them with the knowledge of their Messiah is is the idea of gospel. And, you know, we've talked about this other times, Carly, but the word gospel in Greek, you know, gospel in English, right, is such a loaded word. Okay, that means Christian. That means you're trying to get me to agree with you to convert to something that I'm not currently. No, no, no. Let's let's back it up for a minute. Gospel in Greek is evangelion. And that actually translates to the proclamation of the good news concerning the Messiah and the kingdom. Like that's kind of an extended definition, but evangelion is the word used in the New Testament for our Christian listeners for gospel. Okay, so is the gospel a New Testament idea that came out of nowhere, this idea of the proclamation of good news? No. Our audience may be surprised to understand it's actually an Old Testament concept. In Hebrew, the word is besorah, 
Besora. It means the good news. And I'm thinking of Isaiah 61, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. We know this passage, right? It, whether you come from a Jewish background or a Christian background, I hope you know the passage. Isaiah 61 says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me, what? To preach good news. Besora. And so the idea there is the proclamation of good news. The prophets understood that there was good news that needed to be proclaimed to Israel, to the Jewish people. And that good news is that God, despite our disobedience, despite our stubbornness and stiff-neckedness and hard-heartedness towards him and his commandments, has made a way for us to be reconciled, and that way is through the Messiah. Isaiah saw it, Jeremiah saw it, Ezekiel saw it, Zechariah saw a day when Israel would look upon the one whom they've pierced and mourn for him as one mourns for an only son. And in that day, a fountain of grace and supplication would be open for the house of Israel and the house of Jacob. It's all in the Old Testament scriptures or what the Jewish community calls the Jewish Bible. Genesis through Malachi, if you will, the Torah, the prophets and the writings. And so, so the idea of good news concerning redemption through the Messiah is not a Christian invention, and it's not something that Jesus showed up on the scene in 0 AD and sort of brought out of nowhere. Jesus is showing up to say, hey, this thing that Israel's been waiting for, this Besorah, this good news that the prophets saw and that Moses saw and that Israel's been waiting for, I am the fulfillment of that good news. And it's one thing to say that, unless you can back it up. And Jesus, through his resurrection from the dead, which only the Messiah can do in Jewish thought, after three days, only the Messiah can bring about resurrection from the dead or be resurrected from the dead, Jesus confirmed his Messiahship. And so back to the question we asked, what does it really mean to bless Israel? Sharing the gospel, or if we unpack that a bit, proclaiming the good news of the Messiah isn't a Christian idea. It's a Jewish idea. Now, yes, we're saying Jesus is the Messiah, but it, that's, not a, that's not a new invention, exclusively Christian thought, Carly. That's a very Jewish thought, and Jewish believers in Jesus are saying, we didn't convert to any other religion. We were born as Jews, we'll die as Jews, and if we have to be killed as Jews, we'll be killed as Jews. But we believe that the Besorah the prophet saw is fulfilled in one, namely Jesus, who who was born where the prophets saw the Messiah would be born, lived and ministered and worked miraculous works in the way that the prophets said would have to happen, and died for the sins of the people in the way Isaiah 53 said it would have to happen, but didn't stay in the grave resurrected from the dead through resurrection power, which confirmed his Messiahship and his testimony. Jesus, you know, we've talked about this in other episodes, but Jesus is either the Messiah or he's a heretic. Whoa. I mean, don't, don't turn the podcast off. But really, people say, oh, he's a rabbi. He's a good man. He was a little misinformed. No, he said, I and the Father are one, and no one comes to the Father except through me. So that's either true, meaning he was the Messiah that the prophets in Israel had waited for, or he's a liar and a heretic. But his resurrection from the dead confirmed and seen by hundreds of witnesses in the days and months after that time, between that Passover and that Shavuot or Pentecost on the Jewish calendar in the year that Jesus died and was resurrected, confirms that he's not a heretic, he's not a liar, he's everything he says he was. And so back to the issue of blessing Israel, if the prophets, if Moses, you know, Moses said, one's coming after me who's greater than me, listen to him. And the prophets were looking for the days of Messiah. And we understand and have conviction and see according to history and according to the scriptures and through the eyes of faith that Jesus is that promised Messiah who came to redeem Israel from our sin. 
and free us from bondage to slavery and who will come again to Jerusalem to regather his people to himself, Jew and Gentile, then how could we not proclaim that message? And for our Christian audience, you have that same conviction. I believe many, if not all of you do. Yeah, Jesus is the Messiah. I see that not just in the New Testament. I see it confirmed through the promises and the prophecies of the Old Testament. And if he came first for the lost sheep of the house of Israel, and he's really the Messiah, then one of the best gifts, if not the best gift and best blessing you or I can give to another Jewish person is that good news of salvation, redemption, restoration, and reconciliation to a God who loves us, but from whom we've been separated because of our sin. So that's the idea there is, is blessing Israel divorced from the good news of Israel's Messiah and the Savior of the world is a half blessing at best. You know, well, I bless Israel by giving money so that people in Israel can, you know, have access to food stamps. Awesome. But what about their eternal condition? Or I bless Israel by supporting, for example, Holocaust survivors living in former Soviet Union and living in Israel so that they can have air conditioners in the summer. Awesome. You're relieving human suffering. You're communicating love and care to them. But in whose name are you doing that? Really? Because if that person survived the Holocaust, but dies without the knowledge of salvation through the Jewish Messiah, through Israel's Messiah, Jesus, then we only half bless them. And so I realize I'm saying something here that many may strenuously object to, but Carly, we feel compelled to say this. And, you know, in ministries like Jewish Voice, where you and I both serve the rest of our time when we're not recording this podcast, we're compelled to say it. Not because we're trying to ask anybody, convince anybody to convert to something, but because we believe Jesus, the Jewish Messiah, is the fulfillment of the blessing that God always intended for Israel to have. And so I just want to exhort our audience with this idea. That, and, and I'll say, in the, in the most ultra-Orthodox rabbinic Jewish communities, the idea of hope of Messiah is paramount in how everyday life and theology and activity and hope for the future is structured. The difference is most of the Jewish community is waiting for a Messiah who they haven't known or met, and they don't believe it's Jesus. He's rejected as the Messiah uh, through a lot of rabbinical thought. But for those of us who know and believe and have those eyes to faith to see, of faith to see that he is, that's the best news. That's the ultimate besorah. That's the ultimate evangelion is the proclamation that the Messiah has come. He's redeemed Israel. He's redeemed mankind. who will call upon his name, and he's coming again to establish his kingdom on earth. That's good news for me, and I know it's good news for you, Carly. I hope it's good news for anyone, and it's the best news you can give a Jewish person. So, Ezra, I think that point is so important, that blessing Jewish people is about sharing the gospel with them. It's not just bringing them humanitarian aid. It's not just relieving their physical needs, but also sharing the gospel, the, the eternal benefit that we're trying to give them. So I think to our Christian audience, the takeaway is if you are blessing Israel— through your giving, think about those organizations that you're giving to. Are you just providing uh, humanitarian aid to Jewish people, which is great, like Ezra said, or are you actually giving to an organization that is sharing the gospel with these Jewish people? So I think that's a challenge to our audience. And if you're not supporting Jewish people or you've always been wondering, you know, hey, I'd really like to do that, but I don't know where to do that. I would just encourage you when you're taking a look at places to do that, make sure it's both providing humanitarian aid and helping them with their physical needs, but also the eternal benefit of sharing Yeshua or Jesus with them is incredibly important. So 
Ezra, you know, earlier I mentioned that one of my confusion points was that Israel is both a country and also a people. So when you think about blessing Israel, are there certain people that we have to stand with or think about when it comes to, quote unquote, blessing Israel? Yeah, well, as a Jewish believer in in Yeshua, in Jesus, I, I, I want to point out to our audience that you need to be careful when you're aligning yourself with any organization that says, you know, you, we're giving you an opportunity to bless Israel and stand with the Jewish people. Ask the question, how do they feel about Jewish believers in Jesus? So piggybacking on, on what we just talked about in the first point and what it really means to bless Israel, if you're willing to agree with Carly and with me that Jewish people also need to know about the Jewish Messiah, who we understand to be Jesus, Yeshua, namely, then when Jewish people come to faith in Jesus, some, some people use the term Messianic Jews, or we could say more generically, Jewish believers in Jesus, do, do they continue to be included in that blessing or are they excluded? What do I mean by that? There's a lot of large organizations, Carly, in America, in Canada, elsewhere in the world who are appealing to Christians and who have a lot of inroads with key influential Christian leaders and who are saying, we want to be your way to stand with and to bless Israel and the Jewish people. When you And they're collecting, as I said, in some cases, hundreds of millions of dollars a year from well-meaning Christians to do that. But if you asked them, how do you feel about Jewish believers in Jesus and really press them on that answer, some of these organizations, some of these rabbis, some of these entities are going to be forced to tell you, we do not support Jewish believers in Jesus. In fact, we don't consider them a part of the Jewish community and we want nothing to do with them. So again, building on this framework, if I believe blessing Israel can't be separated from the gospel and I want to see Jewish people come to faith in their Messiah and mine, then when they do that, should they be actively resisted and excluded from any association or blessing with the wider Jewish community? And many Jewish organizations who, who are appealing to Christians saying, bless Israel, we want you Christians to stand with Israel and the Jewish people. If you look at their theology and really press them, and I want to encourage our audience, do this. If you're giving to other organizations, ask, where is my money going to stand with Israel, to bless Israel, stand with the Jewish people? Ask them how they feel about the idea of Jewish people coming to faith in Jesus. And what you may find in some cases, I wish this wasn't true, but I think what you may find, I know in some cases what you will find, is that there's a hard line. There's a wall. They may not talk about it, but there's a wall. And the wall is this. The Christians have their faith. They have their God. They have their Jesus. And the Jews have their path to God and their path to redemption. And these things, never the two shall meet. They're two separate religions. Jesus has nothing to do with the Jewish people. We reject him as the Messiah. The Christians believe in Jesus. That's great for them. They've converted to and inaugurated some other religion that, that Jesus invented when he showed up on the scene. And these two things need to be kept separate. So yeah, Christian community, you can bless the Jewish community, but we don't want to hear what you believe. And we never want you to think that you should actually share that faith and that salvation and that redemption and that forgiveness with a Jewish person because it's not for us. So look very carefully. Are the are the the ways that I'm standing with and blessing Israel and the Jewish people inclusive of and supportive of Jewish believers in Jesus who have come to faith in Jesus the Messiah, or are they exclusive of and antagonistic toward? 
And in some extreme cases, Carly, I'm, I'm, you know, we're, we're not doing this podcast to badmouth organizations, but I can think of, or, of entities that are collecting money from Christians to fund what's called anti-missionary efforts. What do we mean by that? Primarily funding efforts that actively block the gospel from being shared with Jewish people and actively oppose any individuals or organizations who are trying to share the good news of Jesus the Messiah with Jewish people and Jewish communities. So be really careful where your money's going. Blessing Israel needs to mean standing in solidarity with your and my brothers and sisters in the faith who come from a Jewish background who also name the name of Jesus as Messiah. So Ezra, I, as I said earlier, I've, I've worked at Jewish Voice eight years now, and something you just said clicked in a way that never has before, which is that first we talked about it's important to share the gospel with Jewish people, right? That's the first distinctive. Second, stand in solidarity with Messianic Jews, which, okay, some people in the audience or Christians might be thinking, okay, I'm not a Messianic Jew. Why should I be supporting the Messianic Jewish community? It would just be like supporting some other, you know, ethnicity that is not mine. But what clicked is basically that we share the gospel with Jewish people, but then don't abandon them after sharing the gospel with them. Then continue supporting Jews who believe in Jesus or the Messianic Jewish community, continuing to grow that community. So the connection between those I think especially as those who think, you know, why should I be supporting mess- the Messianic Jewish community? That's not my community. It's just a connection to the first point, which is share the gospel with them and then continue supporting them. Don't just bring them the water and then leave, but share the gospel and then continue supporting the community, which is why we're asking Christians to bless Israel by standing in solidarity with Jewish believers in Jesus. So that was clarifying for me, even though I've probably heard you say it a million times. When a Jewish person comes to faith in Jesus, often they're dealing with a rejection from their own family. If they're part of an organized Jewish community, rejection from that synagogue or that Jewish community because of the widespread rejection of Jesus and the idea that he's the God of the Christians. So if you accept him as your Messiah, you've automatically converted to another religion rather than fulfilled your Jewish identity as a Jewish man or woman. And so there's an isolation, a separation, a rejection at times from the Jewish community. And so our Christian listeners need to be very careful in blessing Israel. Don't let anybody, I don't care how influential they are, tell you that you need to disassociate from Jewish believers in Jesus, who, as we said, again, are your own brothers and sisters in the faith now, right? This this family of God. And if we allow ourselves to be influenced and pressured to disassociate from the Jewish believing community, then you've left this group of people called Jewish believers in Jesus or Messianic Jews in no man's land, right? That there's a rejection and a a distancing from the Jewish community, not by their choice, but by the choice of the larger community. And then if the Christian community disassociates, then the very thing that God desired for Israel and the prophets foresaw, Jewish people coming to faith in the Messiah, leaves leaves this community isolated and vulnerable and really in no man's land. And really it's, you know, I, I'm thinking of specific organizations who say, we want to come to your church and we want to hold an, uh, an event where you can bless and honor Israel. Okay, great. And they say, but there's one condition. You can't have any Messianic Jews or Jewish believers as a part of your leadership team and they can't be on the platform because if they are, we're not coming. And if we think about the image of, of the body of believers as a physical body for a minute, right? Which w- represents Jewish and Gentile believers. We're all part of one body. The head is Messiah. The head is 
is, is Jesus. We understand from the scriptures. And it's like being told, if you cut off your left arm, you, you can come to this party. But if you don't, you stand outside. Well, I'll keep my left arm and skip the party. But, uh, you know, I'm not going to allow myself to be divorced from people who God has knit me together covenantally with through faith in Jesus. So I I really want to appeal to our audience here. Take a politically incorrect stand of continuing to say, I stand with Jewish believers in Jesus as a part of the body of faith, the ecclesia worldwide, and as a legitimate part of the Jewish community. Don't let anybody paint you into a corner or pressure you to disassociate from people that God's brought you into a covenantal relationship with through, through shared faith in the Messiah. And I just want to say, you know, we've, we've talked a lot about other organizations so far in this podcast and just to clarify, when we're talking about blessing Israel, it's not just about financial giving. And so that that kind of leads us to the third point, Ezra. And I've heard you talk about this before, about how, you know, blessing Israel is not just financial, but it's it's about asking for your heart for Jewish people. So what what does it really look like to bless Israel? You know, often we say, well, we have to stand with Israel, the nation, and whatever they agree with. But that's not really the case. Can you clarify that? Sure, I can. And I'll I'll tell our audience, I, I've been to Israel 40 times. My wife is is from Israel, but I don't agree with everything the state of Israel says. And I think part of part of the whole reason we do this podcast, Carly, is to is to discuss, right? To say we agree with each other, we don't quite agree with each other. Here's what it says in the news, but does that really line up with what we see in the scriptures? So I'll say, you know, whenever we're we're part of an Israel tour through partner ministries we work with, which is largely made up of Christians who want to visit Israel at least once in their life, one of the things I'll say on the first day of the tour, as we're sort of leaving Ben Gurion Airport and headed to Jerusalem or the Galilee or wherever we're going, is one of the worst things you can do as a Christian who wants to stand with Israel is to do so in ignorance and to start making broad brush statements that aren't factually confirmed. Now, I'm not saying don't be bold in your desire as a Christian, as a believer in Jesus to love and stand with the Jewish people. That's awesome. That's a gift from God. That's something maybe you've seen in the scriptures or you're in the process of trying to understand, which is why you're listening to this podcast in the first place. But make sure you get your facts straight. Israel is not a theocracy. The state of Israel, I believe, was born miraculously as a fulfillment of prophecies. You know, the the prophet said, can a nation be born in a day? Well, I believe that was the UN partition vote, which in and of itself in 1947 seemed to be miraculous, that a nation, in fact, was born from a day in the state of Israel, uh, was, was born as a modern political state but as a restored homeland of the Jewish people. And do the Jewish people have a right to that land? Absolutely. But the state of Israel is a democracy in the Middle East made up of human beings who are all fallible and who are making decisions that some of which seem righteous to me, some of which seem less than righteous to me, but that's my opinion. And and we just need to understand that if we're looking for ideals and perfection from the state of Israel, we're all going to be disappointed. Okay? So these are people, they're making mistakes. As a Christian, if you're a Christian listening to this podcast, stand up for decisions that Israel's making that you go, you know what, I can't get behind that. I don't see that as representing righteousness and justice. Write to your congressman. Write to your connect if you're you know, connected with a Knesset member or another organization or, or a friend in Israel and say, I really have a problem with this and I, I want to I tell you I have a problem with this. So standing with Israel doesn't mean blindly agreeing with everything Israel does. And Carly, just this week, you know, we're recording this podcast in, in, in June of 2021. And just this week, for the first time in well over a decade, 
Benjamin Netanyahu, Bibi, as he's affectionately or not so affectionately known in Israel, surrendered his, but, but he had to, you know, left the prime ministership. Now he's leading the opposition party, so he's not out of some measure of power and control. More on Israeli politics another time. But, you know, Carly, I, I was really disappointed in the days leading up to Netanyahu's exit from the office of prime minister to see major Christian organizations in who have who have headquarters in Jerusalem start to issue these scathing remarks of how they're basically they were supporting Netanyahu. Netanyahu was God's man, and uh, Naftali Bennett, the new incoming prime minister, isn't God's man, and he's you know destructive to Israel and the Jewish people. We need to be very careful if our if our support of Israel hinges upon who's in the office of prime minister in any given term then I, would, I want to appeal to, to our audience that perhaps that's too fickle a support. In standing with Israel, if you're really a fair-weather friend whose support and association with the state of Israel is contingent upon whether the ruling party or the prime minister or the policies of Israel are to your liking and who you would have voted for, I want to ask you, think again. Because as things go on, we see in the scriptures, Carly, that things are not going to get easier for Israel and the Jewish people. Zechariah makes it clear, other prophets, Jesus himself, you know, all the nations of the world are going to be gathered together against Jerusalem. And even John in the book of Revelation saw that before Jesus returns, things are going to get really dark in the land of Israel, in the city of Jerusalem, and for the Jewish people, either in Israel or wherever we are around the world. And so the question for the church, the question for Christians who want to stand with Israel today is, can you do that unconditionally? Again, not blind support. Let me make it very clear. I'm not saying shut your mouth and just support everything the state of Israel does. But can your support of Israel as the homeland of the Jewish people and your support of the people of Israel in Israel and scattered throughout the nations of the earth, wherever we are, according to the scriptures, be unconditional enough to withstand persecution and withstand a great time of darkness in the future when all the nations of the world are going to gather together against Israel and against Jerusalem. It's never going to be easier. You know, Carly, we say this more and more. It's never going to be easier to stand with Israel than it is today. And I really mean that. And so if people kind of kick the can down the road on the issue of, okay, well, bless Israel, I'll, I'll think about that in the future. It's not going to be easier in the future. There's going to be more anti-Israel, anti-Semitic political sentiment. There's going to be more social pressure to, to reject the idea of a homeland for the Jewish people given by God uh, as kind of we come into this age of aggressive tolerance and nobody has something that somebody else doesn't. And anyway, I won't go farther down that path right now. But uh, it's never going to be easier to stand with Israel and the Jewish people than it is today. So it doesn't just mean writing your check to support some whatever Jewish organization uh, comes along and asks you to do so. Standing with Israel has to be based on the scriptures and dive into the scriptures. I encourage you, listen to our other podcast episodes where we unpack what does it really mean that God chose a land, a strip of land in the Middle East and gave it to a specific people. What does it mean that the gospel was first to Jewish people? Romans 1.16. What does it mean that God's made everlasting covenants with a specific chosen people called Israel, called the Jewish people, the, the, the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Understand those things now because it's not going to get easier to understand them in the future. Uh, but it's more God's not looking for your wallet or your checkbook 
on this issue or your Venmo payment or your crowdfunding or whatever you, way you do to, to, to financially support organizations you want to get behind. He's looking for your heart on this issue because I believe the heart, Carly, is what it's going to take in the future to continue to stand with the people that most of the world abandons. Yeah. And that's, that's what I've heard you say before, Ezra, that I love is God's not looking for your wallet. He's looking for your heart to stand with the Jewish people. And I hope that's encouraging to those listening and that you have some clarity around what it really means to bless Israel, that, you know, sharing the gospel, standing with Messianic Jews and standing with Jewish people when it's incredibly difficult. But that doesn't always mean standing with Israel when they're making decisions that don't align with your conviction. So use critical thinking and the scriptures as your as your filter there. But again, standing with Israel is not about giving money only, but giving your heart to the Jewish people. So to our audience, thanks so much for listening today. As I mentioned at the beginning, we wanted to give you a chance to win some of that Lost Tribes coffee that we're offering for free, which is basically the fuel for Ezra for every podcast. You can enter to win that. We're giving away one bag a month. You can do so by texting JG to 474747 and we choose a winner each month and then we'll send you that coffee for free. More details on our website as well, a Jew and a Gentile discuss.org. If you want to hear more episodes of this podcast, be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Please leave us a review. We love reading your feedback. If there's someone you know that would be interested in the content, share this podcast with them. You can also follow us and engage with us on social media at the handle a Jew and a Gentile discuss. You can send in questions or topics you want us to talk about on our website as well. So thanks for listening this week. Join us next week for another episode. The show is a production of Jewish Voice Ministries International.